Our second scripture reading today continues the story that we started hearing from Sue Ann just a minute ago. It's about Joseph and the sons of Jacob. Jacob's other name is Israel. So far in the story, we have heard that Jacob has given his favored younger son, Joseph, a beautiful and amazing coat of many colors, and that all of the other sons of, of Jacob are jealous of their brother Joseph. They do not like him. They hate him. Let's find out how it goes. Listen to the next part of the story from Genesis chapter 37, verses 12 to 28. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem, and Israel, that's Jacob, said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. He answered, Here I am. So he, so he said to him, Go now and see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron. He came to Shechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields. The man asked him, What are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the, the flock. The man said, They have gone away, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from a distance, and before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of these pits, and we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him, that he might, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. Reuben was going to come back later and save him. That's my interjection. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornamented robe that he wore, and they took him and threw him in a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin, and on their way, on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his, bro his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When some Midianite traders passed by, they drew Joseph up, lifting him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you heard that story before? This is an old favorite within uh, the Genesis uh, narrative of the Bible, old Bible story for you. It's great to be with you today. Good morning once again. I want to say hi to those watching online, worshiping with us at home, those listening to this sermon podcast later on. And for all of you who are here in person, help me out. God is good. And all the time. That's his nature. Wow. You've got to remember that part. Wow. We're in a sermon series called A Brief Stroll Through Genesis and Exodus, which is kind of a joke, right? You can't stroll through Genesis and Exodus. I mean, it is a long part of the Bible, big, big, two big, uh, the first two books of the Bible, very um, hefty. Genesis it, it forms some of the foundational texts of the entire biblical story. The book of Genesis is structured around three, three cycles of family stories. This is a little insight for you for a moment. 
Let me remind you, the Abraham cycle with Abraham and Sarah is from Genesis 11 to 25. All stories about Abraham and Sarah, 11 to 25. Then it skips Isaac. There's no Isaac cycle, and it goes to Jacob. And the Jacob cycle is from Genesis 25 to 35. All about Jacob and his trickster ways. Then comes the Joseph cycle, which is from Genesis 37 till the end, chapter 50. This is a little Bible study-ish, but it's important for us to note that the Joseph cycle, this Joseph story that we're talking about today, is the longest of the three family stories in Genesis. It's 25% longer than Abraham, and Abraham's a pretty important guy. So that tells us that the stories about Joseph are something we want to pay attention to. So Joseph, at the time, was the youngest son of Jacob, although he would, they would, later there would be other younger sons. Um, Jacob was also known as Israel. And for whatever reason, he was the favored child. Maybe because it says that he was the, the child of his old age. He just, it was just he doted on him, the apple of his eye. He was the one who got special treatment. He was the one who got an extra scoop of ice cream. So we heard that the way that his father had given him this gift, which was a special coat with many colors. And all musical theater fans, we know what that one is called. Technicolor dream coat. Okay. But the Hebrew translation of this description of the, of the coat actually means something more like a coat with long sleeves. Long sleeves. Now, I don't know why that would be so luxurious, but think about it. If you have a coat with long sleeves that go all the way down over your hands, kind of flop over, you can't do any work if you're wearing that long sleeve coat, right? You can't do any housework. You certainly can't go outside and do any hard labor so maybe part of the problem, the, initi the initial problem between Joseph and his brothers is not just that he's his father's favorite, but he's wearing this coat of many colors that has long sleeves, and he can't do any work. Wouldn't that be annoying if you had a sibling who never did any of the chores and all the rest of you had to do them? The other brothers, they set out to take care of the flocks out on the hillsides, but Joseph doesn't go with them. Only later does his father send this. He says, go and check on your brothers. Go bring me a report. So he walks from Hebron to Shechem and then on to Dothan, and that's about 50 miles, 50 miles away. Here's the weird thing. He's going to walk 50 miles in the ancient Near East, right? You can consider it kind of hot, dusty, dirty. It's a long journey. He wears his multicolored dream coat the entire time. He walks with this, like, beautiful, handmade, colorful um, uh, status symbol from his father the whole way there so that when he arrives toward his brothers they see him coming resplendent in his long cloak in a way as he arrives at this wilderness campsite where his brothers are all sweaty and dirty they're taking care of sheep i wonder if he's showing off a little bit you know showing up kind of like that eh, showing off just a touch in any case, his brothers do not like what they see when he arrives. They see him coming, and their first plan is just to kill him, right? They're just going to say, here comes this dreamer. Let's take him, let's kill him, and let's throw him in this pit. Pretend some wild animals ate him, and then we'll see what happens with his dreams, right? One thing I notice in this story is they do not call him by his name. They don't say, here comes Joseph. Joseph is a name. They don't even say, they don't call him by his relationship. They don't say, here comes our brother. They don't say that either. They call him this dreamer. And sometimes when we are in conflict with somebody, we do not use their name. We do not use the relationship we have with them. We call them 
by the issue that's come up between us. Remember, Joseph's dream was that he would rule over his brothers one day. He had this really uh, sort of future dream where he would be very important and everyone else would be down below. His brothers did not like this dream, and it caused a problem. So there's times when we're in conflict where we don't call someone by their name or rely on the relationship. Instead, we just focus on what's wrong between us. What's the presenting issue? What's the label? So Reuben, one of the brothers, he steps forward and says, we can't kill our brother. He reasons with them. And he says, let's, let's not do that because then we will be guilty of shedding his blood. We'll carry the guilt of that. And we don't want to carry that. It's kind of a heavy burden to have killed your own sibling. So instead, let's drop him in this pit. This dry pit doesn't have water in it. It's kind of a natural prison. Who knows? Maybe later the rains will come and it will fill up and he will drown or something else will happen. We don't know. Nature will take its course, but it won't be on us. Our hands will be clean. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann refers to Reuben as the responsible coward. Hmm, pretty good. He knows something is wrong, he's aware of the right thing to do, but he's kind of too scared to directly stand up to his brothers and have a confrontation. So they reach this compromise. They throw him in a pit. And then here is where the story gets a little bit weird. Because if you're familiar with this story, if you've been in you know, Sunday school when you were growing up, or if you've been in church a long time, you've heard this same text preached before. In fact, this week I looked up in my notes. I've preached this exact same text multiple times. Those were much better sermons. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was tempted to print them and bring them in, but I didn't. Okay. Um, so here's the easy question. Who sold Joseph into slavery in Egypt? His brothers, right? His brothers sold Joseph into slavery. But here is what the text says. This was their plan. Let us, let us sell him into slavery. That was their plan. But while they were sitting down to lunch, they brought like a picnic lunch just to sit around by the pit, and they were sitting there talking about this far away from the pit so they wouldn't have to overhear their brother crying out, I'm not dead yet. I'm down here. <laughs> they see a, a group of Ishmaelites coming. And Ishmaelites are like their... They're second cousins. They're related to this other tribe, and they see them coming along, and they say, let's sell him to these Ishmaelites who are camel traders or going along. But then in verse 28, the Bible says, some Midianites came along, and the Midianites are the ones who pulled him up out of the pit. And then they sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20, shekel, 20 pieces of silver, and then the Ishmaelites carried him down to Egypt. So did the brothers sell Joseph? Or did the Midianites kind of come and, like, steal him, kidnap him before they could sell him? Or were the Midianites the middlemen working with the camel-trading Ishmaelites? You might say, preacher, I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> What's this story about and why are we talking about it today? Maybe we can boil it down this way. Joseph believed that he had a destiny that was bigger than what he was experiencing. He believed in his dream. That the dream was from God, that there was something good in his life, in the future, and he would one day realize it, see it. He would get there. But then things changed. You know, life took a left turn. Things got real. His path, his future, his destiny, things that he really believed God had in store for him, his path to them was not straight, and it was not easy. And in this moment, in this story, where we're reading about it today, he was down in a pit, stuck. He was in danger. His future was cloudy and unclear. He didn't know how to move forward. And next week, if you come back, we're going to find out how the story resolves. We're going to hear how it turns out, but not yet. 
That's for next week. Today, we have to sit with Joseph right where he is, right in that pit, uncertain where things go. You know, last Sunday, I was away um, with my family. We were, we were in Minnesota on a little family vacation, so I missed being with you here. And since being back, I've been trying to catch up with a bunch of things, mostly things going on in um, your lives, in the people's lives. I, I came back to just a whole litany and list of things going on in folks' lives. And one of the unique and special things about being a pastor is that we get to sit up here in the front on a Sunday morning and look out at all of you while you're looking up here, um, making sure we're paying attention. And um, I get to look out and see you, and I get to see all of you whose lives I know, all of you who I've been praying for, talking to, or thinking about, or working on something with. I get to know your struggles, maybe your hurts, your needs. Some of you are bold enough to share with somebody. Sometimes that gets to be me. Sometimes it's with each other. And I think about that scripture that says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And that's what we do together. So I know this story from Joseph in the Bible can feel like it's like from so long ago. Genesis, like when, when is this story taking place? But I also know that some of you have been in a pit just like he was. And I know some of you might even feel like you are in that pit today. It doesn't really matter in the end how Joseph got into the pit or who exactly sold him into slavery in Egypt, whether it was his brother's fault, whether it was his dad because he was playing favorites, whether it was the Midianites or the Ishmaelites, or whether Joseph himself had a part to play, which he might have. Because the reality was he was in that pit and his future was not certain. And I'm not going to make you like raise your hand or say it out loud if you've ever been in some kind of pit, but I bet you have, or maybe you are, and I know some of your stories. So the point that I want to leave you with, and the, the, the good news, if you will, from the Bible is this. Even while Joseph was in the pit, uncertain, in an uncertain and hard and kind of weird time of his life, God was already at work. God was already at work in his life. Church, say amen. amen. Even while he was in the pit, stuck, uncertain, it wasn't clear where this was leading. God was already with him, working, preparing, making a way that he could not yet see, things he didn't yet know. And the same thing is true for you. There's a lot of bad news in the world today. There's a lot of bad news in this Bible story, and there may even be some bad news in your personal life right now. But this is the good news you need to hear, the good news of the Bible, the good news of the gospel, that God's love is greater than the problems of this world, that God's saving power is at work before you even know it, that God's yes for you is bigger than any no that this world will offer. So you've got to come back next week to hear how Joseph's story proceeds and how it turns out. I'm going to leave you hanging on that to hear how God moves him from being in that pit and places him into a whole new situation. You could also just read the Bible at home, but, you know, come and do it with us. I don't know if by next week your life situation is going to resolve the way the story will for Joseph. I bet it's going to take a little longer than that. 
But the good news this morning remains the same, that God is for you and with you and not against you. Even when you are in a pit, God is already there at work with you. The Bible says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So we have to receive this teaching in faith because we can't yet see it. So I'm going to invite you again today to put your faith in something bigger than yourself, bigger than your own ability to figure things out, to work a little harder, or do all the right stuff. I want you to put your faith in a God who meets you right where you are, but who never leaves you the way he found you. May God bless you as you continue in your life and faith this week. May you have eyes of faith to see all that God has in store for you. Amen. 